0: Thank you, Phil. I love you all so much. It's such a treat to be with the family and worship. I hope you felt that today. I felt like we were being woven together as we worship together. Amen. Well, this month, we are going to focus on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, so you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12 if you have, have your Bibles And we believe it's important to revisit foundational things, things that are at the core of who we are as Dayspring. And it wasn't by accident that this summer we've already had a time of focus on humility and a time of focus on the character of the kingdom, because truly we need humility and character to prepare the soil of our hearts for the gifts of the Spirit. It's the humility and the character of Jesus that keeps us from acting out or demonstrating uh, the gifts of the Spirit in a way that would draw attention to us, to desire the gifts of the Spirit for the wrong reasons. It's the humility of Christ that keeps the soil of our hearts in the right place. We have to recognize that the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5, let's just say them together, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's those things that have to be there for the gifts of the Spirit to operate correctly. So you really can't say, well, I think we should just focus more on the character. We should focus more on the fruit of the Spirit. And you really can't say, I think we need to focus more on the power of God through the gifts of the Spirit. They go together. Character and gifts must go together. It's interesting to me that in Galatians 4, one chapter before Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he says this to the Galatians. He says, It's because you're sons that God has filled you with his spirit. And it's the spirit in you that gives you the ability to cry, Abba. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to know we're loved and accepted. I don't have to do anything to impress you, God, because I can't anyway. I, by your spirit, can stand in a place of um, even weakness, And say, Abba, you're all that I need. And it's from that position that we begin to focus on the gifts of the Spirit this month. Now, Pastor Steve and Sally have a book that's pretty new. um, That delves deeper into the relationship between the character and the, what what do you say? The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And the book is called Gifts, Fruit, and the Sound of Effective Ministry. We actually have some in the back. So as I'm preaching today, if you're like, oh, I just want more, go to the back, get their book. It's awesome. It's rich. It's shorter. It's easy to read. And it's vital for us to get the connection between gifts and fruit in order to be effective. So there's there's gifts listed in many places in Scripture. We've got Romans 12 gifts. We've got 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 gifts, Ephesians 4 gifts, but over the course of August, we want to focus on those nine miraculous gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. So let's dive in right now, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. That word means ignorant. "...misunderstood, uninformed, I do not want you to be ignorant of these things. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit." Now, if you study what was going on in Corinthia, in the Corinthian church, there was a whole lot of confusion, and there were, we could, we'll talk about that later. But there were some that were even saying with their mouths, Jesus is a curse. So he's addressing that. He's saying, it takes the Holy Spirit in you to give you the power to say, Jesus is Lord. You need this. Now there are a variety of gifts, by the, but the same Spirit and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. Verse 7. But to each one, say each one, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Say, "Each each one. That means no one is excluded. From these gifts. And if you've been at Day Spring for any length of time, it's probably obvious to you that one of our goals as a church is to see these gifts of the Spirit. Why? For the building up, for the edification of the church, and to reach the world with his power. And so I just want to read to you one of our statements of belief that you can find our statements of belief on our website. This says, We believe. That the Holy Spirit is as active in the world and church today as in the lives of the first apostles, and the gifts he has given to the church continue to operate. So if we were in a seminary setting and theological study setting, we would be called continuationists because... These terms are not in Scripture, but humans-like labels. So if you believe that the gifts are continuing, you are a continuationist. And the opposite of that would be a cessationist. And I think it's important for us to know these terms because we will interact with people as we're ministering. And we need to understand what continuationist is and cessationist is. A cessationist would believe that it's not the Spirit's plan or pattern to give miraculous spiritual gifts to Christians today, and that even though he did it in the time of the apostles, they have ceased today. So a cessationist. And I I think that we need to first know we love cessationists. We love cessationists. We walk in humility with those we know who are cessationists. And here's what I love about them. They have a high view of Scripture, They're concerned for God to be glorified and not man, but their their desire is to be careful, right? I want to be careful that nothing happens that's not of God and that he's glorified. So knowing that that's their heart cry keeps us in a place of humility towards them, and we can love them from a very deep place. A cessationist wants wants everyone to know the word is sufficient, We don't need anything else to, we don't have to hear words from God because his word he's given to us already is sufficient. So, knowing that, we need to understand why as continuationists we believe the gifts are still operating today. And here's why. Because Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active. It's the word of God that pierces our hearts, that opens us up. It's the word of God. Actually, it's his word that gives us hunger for the gifts. So my response would be I'm actually surrendering to the sufficiency of scripture by practicing and desiring more. It's the word that that gives me the hunger to prophesy. It's the word that that tells me the gift of tongues is for my edification and me helping build up the body of Christ. It's the word that tells me that words of knowledge and words of wisdom spoken out of my mouth will build faith. In fact, no less than 155 times are these gifts mentioned in Scripture. And in 65 places, there's illustrations of signs and wonders and miracles happening. So from that position, we as Dayspring believe the church cannot be built up the way God intended without the miraculous gifts of the Spirit being manifested here and as we go out. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is what they're for. They're not a badge, right? Pastor Steve says they're not a trophy. They are for the common good. Jump to First Corinthians 14, 12. Says, since you're eager to possess spiritual gifts, strive to excel for the edification of the church. This is what they're for. So Paul makes it really clear when he uses this word in both of those chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. He says, earnestly desire. Let it be an eager pursuit of your heart to desire the gifts of the Spirit. That word used there is zelao, and it means burn with zeal in pursuit of. Does that describe you in your pursuit of the gifts of the Spirit to burn with zeal for them. If you've ever heard someone say, and I'm, I'm putting this in here because I have heard recently someone say, don't pursue gifts of the Spirit, just pursue Jesus. And that, that doesn't even make sense. We need to know that that doesn't make sense because it's a package deal. Right? We should be pursuing all of it. The Holy Spirit in our life exalts Christ. So we pursue all of it. I think that when, when that is said, it goes back to humility and character. Right? There's this little um, piece of carefulness. I don't, want, I don't want people to be exalted. But we don't make our decision about not pursuing the gifts of the Spirit because somebody did something wrong with them. Amen? Amen? I want to read Pastor Steve's definition of the gifts because it's clear and I have his notes and you too can have his notes. But I'm going to read his definition of the gifts and uh, this helps us to understand. So here we go. The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural manifestations given to the church as channels of God's word and power into the world. The gifts are given to us To use for others. They are developed in a climate of risk-taking and a willingness to fail. Does that make you feel okay about trying this out? They're developed in an atmosphere where others are observed exercising the gifts, which is what we hope for our children. We hope our children are growing up in an atmosphere of risk-taking and seeing the gifts operating. The gifts do not come from an academic setting. They are not a cerebral exercise. They are not discovered through research. That's a hard one in our day and age. They're given sovereignly by God's grace through us to others. The gifts are not trophies dispensed as prizes for faithful or long service. Each believer receives at least one gift. Say each one. Receives one. At least Okay. Irrespective of maturity or responsibility in the church. The gifts are the tools which enable the believer to affect the ministry required. Spiritual empowering equips the believer for service. Now, I want to look at this word manifestation back again in verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That word is a Greek word for. And it means to uncover, to reveal, to lay bare. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are one way that God's power is revealed and uncovered and laid bare for the benefit of all. So if the gifts of the Spirit are a manifestation of God himself, then desiring the gifts is desiring God. If we're doing it from the right place in our hearts, desiring the gifts is desiring to be like Christ. If we say we're in pursuit of knowing God, if we say we're walking with him and we love his word and we want to know him, but we're not pursuing the gifts, we're getting only so far and stopping short of what he has for us. So when Paul says to the church, don't be ignorant or unaware of the gifts of the Spirit, but burn with zeal for them, I think he's saying, don't miss out on this. Don't miss out. Don't be ignorant of this. Because here's the progression. If we're unaware of the gifts or if we're ignorant, we choose to ignore, the progression is we'll back away from them. And then we won't expect them. And then... The result of lack of expectation is usually unbelief. That's the progression. Back away from them, ignore them, don't expect them, now I don't believe. And we don't want to get there. Lord, keep us from unbelief. I don't want to be a theological continuationist. I want to be a functional continuationist. And there are a whole lot of theological continuationists in our churches. And this is, an, this is important. This is one of the reasons I think that we are not often functioning in them ourselves is because we see the gifts of the Spirit when we read that list in 1 Corinthians 12 as something for those who are leading. As long as they've got that, I'll be okay. I love to go to church when there are words of knowledge. I'm good with that. But if I'm, I don't recognize often that when I'm walking through Walmart, Walmart the Holy Spirit might be saying, curly hair, curly hair, curly hair. And I don't know wh- why he's saying that. And I get through the whole thing and go back to my car and go, oh, there she was. That's a word of knowledge. It's They're given for each one. We can't ignore that they're for all of us. In Acts 2, Peter stands up to explain to the crowd of people there what just happened on the day of Pentecost. Why are these people speaking in tongues after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is what he says. He quotes Joel 2, and he says, It shall be in the last days, this is verse 17 of Acts 2, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, God says. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. And even on my male and female servants, I'll pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. As I was preparing this week, I just had to text Steve and say, I cannot believe. I am amazed. i am actually moved to tears at how many traditional churches are desiring to walk in the gifts of the Spirit right now. I mean, it is incredible. Until I started just sitting down and focusing on the gifts and researching what is the Lord doing, I didn't realize how many pastors, we are talking thousands, and I was just looking at America, thousands of American pastors, and here's kind of my summary of what they're saying. They're saying, scripturally, I can't find evidence And historically, I can't find evidence that gifts were given to only be used for 50 or 60 years in the early church. So if I can't find that and I want to be faithful to the word, what do I do? And there is an awesome man named Sam Storms that the Lord, I believe, has anointed to reach this crowd of previous cessationists that are hungry for the gifts. And he is having conferences called Convergence Conferences. And we are talking thousands of Baptists. Thousands of Methodists and Episcopalians coming to these conferences to know how do I create a culture of the gifts of the Spirit in my church. Can we just clap for what God is doing? I mean, I am moved to tears. I believe that this is part of the fulfillment and part of the alerting us to the fact that we, the day we're living in, I will pour out my Spirit on all even those who once stood in the pulpit and taught that it was from the devil. I will pour out my spirit on all. When we see a whole bunch of Baptist ministers desiring to speak in tongues, we are living in a major moment. We are living in a moment. Let that excite your heart. I am excited he is pouring out his spirit. He is pouring out his hunger. And when I read that, I thought, oh God, have we lost some of our hunger? Have we gotten so familiar with these beautiful gifts that, that I'm watching these thousands of men and women go to these conferences? Just, just tell me, what does this mean? Oh God, keep us in the place of hunger. That we would be your light to the world. That we would be those who your power flows through. That we would be those who know we have a part in edifying your church with your power. And here's the good news. These gifts are not related to our natural abilities. So you can take all the strengths tests and those Enneagram things, and these will never show up on that. Because these cannot be studied and got through academic knowledge, or they are not a part of your personality. These gifts are sovereignly given. It's by His grace, in a moment, that I can experience a supernatural manifestation of something that only He can know, and then He lets me know. That's his grace. And I think this is so important. That word gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 is the Greek word charismata, which is why we are called charismatics, because of the word charismata. It means gifts of grace, free, undeserved gifts. And that that puts us at ease as well. I can't do anything to earn these. These charismata are gifts of grace. When I look at the background of the Corinthians who Paul was talking to, we're talking about in chapter 3, he called them spiritual babies that can't handle anything but spiritual milk. And here's why he called them that, because in the letter, he was correcting them for things that might make us blush. But things that were going on in the Corinthian church, here's a few. They were getting drunk at communion. Well, we're partying, let's just have a party. They were celebrating. There was there was immorality going on, sexual immorality going on, and they weren't correcting it. In fact, they were celebrating it. Among other things, they were also suing each other. They were suing their brothers and sisters. So these are the, this is the church that Paul's speaking to. He's saying, listen, you're spiritual babies. You need spiritual milk. You're carnal and worldly. You're not even living holy lives. Jump to chapter 12. Listen to what God wants to give you by his spirit. In fact, zealously pursue these things, babies. Doesn't that make you feel good? Like, I, I don't need to avoid pursuing this until I get to a certain place in my walk. I don't even have to be fully free of some sins that I've been working on with the Lord. That's important. Gifts and character are important. I'm not saying that. They go together. We have to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. But we can't disqualify ourselves from these gifts if Paul was speaking to this kind of a church and saying, zealously pursue. This matters to us. So, Here in the last moments, I want to uh, touch on three of these, and then Pastor Steve is going to do two more sessions uh, for the the other six. First, it's, it's not clear that Paul meant this, but it's pretty amazing that we can divide those nine gifts into three categories for our own study. First, the gifts of revelation. They reflect the eyes of God. It's the Spirit revealing something to me And then me releasing it. So it's like, show me how you see it, God. Second, the gifts of power, reflecting the hand of God. The Spirit does something through us. Third, the gifts of inspiration or speech, the mouth of God. The Spirit says something through us. So I want to focus on the gifts of revelation, which are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. These gifts are supernatural insight, right? Like we already said, they can't come from something rational. They don't come from us processing it. We can't think them up on our own. It's information I know I couldn't have apart from his spirit. These gifts meet our need for having God's insight into circumstances. Who needs that? I need that. These gifts see things as God sees them with his perspective. So having said that definition, can't we see that apart from the place of prayer, these don't really work? When I receive a small nudging or a picture in my mind, we're going to talk about this. When I receive what I think might be a word of knowledge and I don't ask the Lord about it, I just write it off or I just try to move forward with it in my own power or what I think probably needs to be said or done. This doesn't work. That's when messes are made. And, hey, we're okay with messes. This is part of being the body of Christ. If we're trying this out, if we're trying to walk in this, that's part of zealously pursuing. And part of what creates a cessationist culture is the fear of there ever being any mess. And we can't fear that. Because it will keep us out of all of this. So just say with me, there will be messes. Okay. There might even be a mess in Walmart when you try it. And the person's like, you're crazy, and they walk away. Guess what? Most of the time, they go to their car and cry. Because you were right. I saw it happen to me in Aldi. And by the time the, the, the Lord orchestrated it, I had given the word. I thought I was supposed to give. The lady walked off crying. I saw her in the parking lot, and her heart was... Being prepared for me to say more. But at the time, I could just go, oh, she just thought I was crazy. I shouldn't have done that. So we need to recognize that most of the time, when we obey the nudgings of the Lord, there's something happening, even if we don't see it. So, first, word of knowledge. Now, I'm going to move quickly through these, but we're going to give you these notes through the month online. You can look up these places in Scripture where this is demonstrated. This is an awesome study. It's awesome. And I'm also using Pastor C's definitions for each of these, so they'll be online. The word of knowledge defined. Word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of facts about a person or situation not learned through our natural mind. And we need to know a word of knowledge is just that. It's a word, right? It's a fragment. I'm not getting something in completion. Paul said we hear in part. We prophesy in part. Recognize that. Stay in that place of humility. I'm just getting a little word. It's a fragment. It's just a portion. It's a portion, though, that if we use and we pursue, we will be given more, right? As we use the little, we'll be given more. As we're faithful with the little, we'll be given more. We have to hear as we pray, when we hear those nudgings of the Spirit, What he wants us to do with it. A word of knowledge often announces what the spirit desires to do on a specific occasion. And most often it results in his love and truth being poured out on an individual or a group. Who has experienced that? I have experienced that. The result. Often the result of the word of knowledge is that faith is built. And here's a good example in the scriptures. Um, Acts chapter 8 we read that Philip hears the Lord say, go south to this specific road. Now, he could have been like, what? Nah, that's just the pita bread I had last night. Or whatever they called their flatbread. Anyway, he said, he said go south to this specific road. So Philip goes. And he meets an Ethiopian man who was a, an authoritative figure in his government. And the man was in his chariot reading aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, and it was 53. It's what we know as 53. Well, we know what Isaiah 53 declares. It's the prophecy of the suffering Messiah. Yeah. Don't you know in that, in that moment, Philip was like, yes. And then the Spirit says to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. So Philip gets to the carriage, and he asks the man, do you understand what you're reading? And then the Lord sets up this beautiful moment for Philip to be able to explain Isaiah 53 to him, to present the good news of Jesus is what that passage says. And then they get out of the chariot, and he baptizes him right there. All because when Philip heard, go south to this road, he went. And that was a word of knowledge. That was a small nudging from the Spirit that he could have chosen to ignore. And I just wanted to say this week as I was preparing on word of knowledge, the Lord reminded me of of John Knave and how he walked in this so frequently. And in fact, over the last week and a half, Pastor Steve said, and I've heard other pastors say, there's been so many people that have said, listen to this word John gave me. And the Lord was reminding me of that because actually when I was pregnant with our fourth, John, I had just barely started to show. And John came up to us in a service and gave me a word of knowledge um, that was very simple. He was like, this is going to sound weird, but I know that if I don't say this, I won't be obeying the Lord. And I just want you to know that the Lord says you will have everything you need for this baby, even the milk. And I was like, okay. I mean, I've had the milk for all other ones. So I didn't say that, but I was like, thank you. So I wrote it down. Six months later, I gave birth to Callan, and I didn't have milk. And I'd never experienced that. And it's perfectly fine if you don't have milk for your baby. God provides in other ways. But for me, in that moment, I was devastated that I didn't have milk. And it was like four days after he was born, and I just went to, to be alone to cry. It's like, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I heard the Spirit quietly say, go read John Nave's word. And I went and read that word. <laughs> You'll have everything you need for this baby, even the milk. And in that moment, I just said, out loud, I said, whoa, I needed that. Whoa, the Holy Spirit said, now you take 1 Timothy 1.18. And you start warring with that word. That's what Paul, Paul said to Timothy. Take the prophecies that have been spoken about you and wage war in the great fight of faith. And this may see, seem super simple to you, but to me, in that moment, it was all I wanted is to have the milk. So I took that word and I said, in Jesus' name, this has been spoken and I stand on the word that I will have what I need. The next day, my milk came in. Now, that's a word of knowledge. What would have happened if John would not have come? It was a weird word. He didn't want to talk to a woman about her milk coming in. I figure I can share this testimony if Nate can stand up here and talk about his bladder like he did three weeks ago. But anyway, if John had backed off, if he had backed off and not obeyed that small nudging, I I don't know what it would have looked different for me. It's powerful. It's important All right, let's move on. Next, well, first I just want to say this. How does God give words of knowledge? This is important. For you, it might not be that you get a word like John got. For you, you might might have, like Phil had this morning, a little symptomatic pain. In a place, you know, just random, come on you. You might feel an emotional feeling that you don't normally feel. Often, I would say, on the worship team, because I believe we're frontliners on Sunday mornings, Uh, We have to remind ourselves, if we just all of a sudden feel depressed, that's not us. That's a word of knowledge of what God wants to break this morning. Um, Also, he he might give you a burning or tingling somewhere. The Lord is announcing, I want to heal somebody of this. Uh, We had a new believer in our family group years ago that we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and he was like, well, what does it mean if my hands are tingling right now? And the Lord healed somebody that night. It was awesome. Okay, so um, sometimes it it, this often happens for me. It will just be like a he just won't let me alone. There's this thought in my mind about this person, and I'm gonna think it all day if I don't do something with it. So many times, words of knowledge are keys of how to pray. All of these, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, are often keys of how to pray. All right, moving to word of wisdom. Word of wisdom goes closely with word of knowledge because it's a combining of spiritual thoughts and spiritual words, right? We're not not interpreting that word of knowledge through human wisdom. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.12, he said, We have not received received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. So word of wisdom is a special ability to apply a prophecy or to apply a word of knowledge. Sometimes the Lord will say, just give the word of knowledge. But sometimes he will expand on it in your heart. It's not a a preaching thing. It's not an opportunity to stand in front of that person for 30 minutes and tell them how it is. It's a word of wisdom. It's a short word. And uh, oftentimes they'll respond to it. Or you can say, does that resonate with you at all? Don't let it be a big, long thing. These words lose their power when you start operating in human wisdom. So, a word of wisdom reveals part of the total wisdom of God. Again, it's just a fraction. It's seeing what God sees in a situation and saying it. So, a good example of this to me is the life of Jesus, and you can look all through the Gospels and see Jesus would often know the thoughts of the person, whether it be the a disciple, or one who's come to oppose him. And we see that he would receive a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. He would know just what to say. And even in the word, sometimes it says, And he amazed them, and they left him, <laughs> the ones who were opposing him. Or they were astounded by him as his disciples, and they had questions. Right? It's the Spirit of God revealing his wisdom. How does it come? Often you'll see in a revelatory way what's being said or done from God's perspective. And sometimes it looks like a picture in your mind, just like word of knowledge. Sometimes it will come with a word of knowledge, and then the Lord will give you more facts that you couldn't have known otherwise to expand on it. And for me, often the word of wisdom will come with a scripture. So the Lord, especially if it's to somebody that's already a believer, the Lord will give me a word of knowledge, and then I'll get a scripture to go with it that will build their faith. All right, lastly, discerning of spirits. This is different from, sometimes we'll say, there's such a discerning person. Guys, we should all be discerning people, okay? If you don't feel like you're discerning at all, ask the Holy Spirit to give you, to quicken your heart and give you his discernment, but that's not what this is. This is an opening of your eyes, of your spirit, to another realm. Also, I think it's important to say discerning of spirits is not just I walk into a room and I go, there's a python spirit in here. Right now, sometimes the Lord will tell you what's in the place. But that's not the completion of discerning of spirits, okay? Thank you, Lord, that we don't have anything in here that's going to stand against your name and your truth. Right now, We just bind every other spirit that would try to present itself in a high place in this room, and we invite you alone. Amen? Discerning of spirits is a gift of perception only given by God that enables an individual to distinguish the motivating spirit behind words and actions. I think discerning of spirits is a compassionate gift, because often we can just look at things that are happening in human terms. And get frustrated with those people. And I want the Lord to build this in me where I can see right away oh man, that fit that that person's throwing, I have so much compassion for them. Rather than being like, oh, they're such a brat, you know, there's something going on there. It's more than in human things. Uh, discerning of spirits is the supernatural capacity to judge from a spiritual insight whether the spirit operating has a source that is human, demonic, or divine. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 to the church there, do not stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. He says, don't scoff at prophecies. We need to hear that. Don't scoff at prophecies. Let that be a weighty word on our heart. Here's what you should do instead. Test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. So, Paul isn't saying, be really careful. Be skeptical of what's being prophesied. Be, be very guarded. What does that attitude produce? It produces a stepping away from the gifts of the Spirit. He says, test everything that's said. And it's by this discerning of Spirit's gift that we test what's being said. We prayerfully ask God, what's your perspective right now? I feel a little annoyed by this prophetic word. What is your perspective? Most often when I ask that and I'm annoyed by something that's being spoken, whether it be, you know, on the radio or wherever it is, if in here or anything, I get humbled by the Spirit of God. He'll be like, well, I wanted that to be spoken because of this. Is it being done perfectly? No, but I wanted that to be released. I'm not, Today has been awesome. I hope nobody feels awkward by what I'm saying. And I hope that just because somebody comes to the mic or somebody comes up to you and gives you a word that maybe parts of it are not on, that we are humble enough and strong enough in character to go before the Lord and say, Lord, if there's any part of that, I want whatever it is. If there's any part of that that you want me to grab onto, I want what it is. And there's so many examples in Scripture, and we'll give those to you in the notes. But let's stand together. And I just want to read this over us. Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7. I remind you to kindle afresh or stir up the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. So part of stirring this up, because he's saying, stir it up. Are you okay with that command? We have an action that we have to take. Stir it up. Timothy stir up kindle afresh the gift of God that's in you. And part of stirring up what God's placed in you, there is a did you know there's a miraculous gift in you? If you have said yes to Jesus and you've been filled with his spirit, there's a miraculous gift in you because this says to each one. So today I want to encourage you, go read that list in 1 Corinthians 12 because there is a power gift And maybe in the past you've just said, oh, I'm just like an administrative type of person, or I'm just like a servant heart that stays behind. That's great. Those are gifts too. But there is a miraculous power gift in each of us that the Lord wants kindled afresh, stirred up so that we can release his power to others and and to build up the body of Christ. And I just want to say this, as we walk in this and as we try this out and as we find out what it looks like to walk in this as the body of Christ, that we would all commit to not be prideful when we stumble or when others stumble because that happens quickly. When I get prideful when I mess up, the prideful response is, oh, I'm not going to try that again. Did you know that's actually pride? It's pride and fear together. And also when somebody else messes up, the desire to just like squash that and hope they don't do it again. We have as a body, as a family, to commit to walking this out in humility. So let's pray right now. Lord, we are asking for a stirring up, for a rekindling by your spirit of the things that you want to flow out of us. Spirit of God, we know that if Paul spoke this to a Corinthian church that was struggling desperately to even walk in a holy life, that we can walk in these gifts by your power. God, we ask that you would teach us how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray like you prayed. Teach us how to stay in that John 5 place where you said, Jesus, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father saying it. I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. God, keep us in that place. Teach us how to walk in that right now. I just ask you to put your hands out. I think everybody in this room wants more. I might be wrong, but I believe everybody in this room wants more. And just If you want more, just put your hands out. And in a place of humility, in a place of receiving, commit to the Lord that you will stay in that receiving posture in your heart as you leave this place, as you leave today, as you walk through your week. Just commit to the Lord that in your own heart. right now, Lord, we ask that you would release your glory. Release your glory. Holy Spirit, come. Kindle afresh as we commit to kindle afresh. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would light a fire in us to be used by you. Thank you that we don't have to impress you. We don't have to do any of this to impress you. We're already sons and daughters sitting in Abba's arms. Thank you that it's not the gifts that make me worthy. It's your blood that makes me worthy. Thank you for your grace. Pour out your charismata. Holy Spirit, right now in this room, pour out your gifts. We ask. It's okay to ask because you said to ask. We repent that we haven't asked. You have not because you ask not. We ask for these gifts to be made manifest in our lives. We ask, Holy Spirit, come pour out. I believe right now there's people getting words of knowledge in this room. Lots of them. Okay, so if you, if you are getting a word of knowledge, I want you to come up, just line up. Parents, you can go ahead and go get your kids and bring them back because this is going to be super fun. God is giving you a word of knowledge, a nudging. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I just believe. Um, I heard one um sciatic nerve. I think somebody has had pain in the back of their leg, back here, upper leg. And when you stand up, you have to kind of stumble. Sciatic nerve. All right.
1: This lady in yellow here.
0: Let's get some people. Get a couple
1: people around her. years ago. I would not really I'm
2: walking right now. I had a usual walk. And god is a miracle, man. I was on my deathbed at the surgery. And I'll not live without my Lord Jesus Christ because I lost a lot of blood, but He saved me. Thank you, Jesus. And He let me live again to tell a testimony to all of you guys. You need healing, God can do it. Amen. I had to have open heart surgery in September and I want you guys to pray for me. i like people to call me Kay, that's my middle name. And yeah. this, we all get scared. Amen. But Anybody else have
0: sciatic pain in the room? He's got three blocks
2: in each. And I stand here today to testify and give a testimony that God has still got me going. There's a reason I came here today.
0: Amen. Thank you, Thank you Lord. Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just
1: reach out your hands towards our sister. Holy awesome. Spirit. Oh, gosh. Wow. God.
2: So I'm feeling a heaviness, either in the top of your head or on your shoulders. And so I feel like that the Lord wants to bring some healing to a heaviness, a spirit of heaviness.
1: If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Heaviness on the top of your head or just like resting on you. Okay, back here. All right, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's get a... Let's get a couple yep. of hands thank you jesus would
0: you girls lay hands on her you're already doing it awesome karen will you pray over yeah. heaviness
2: father you said that you would heal us spirit soul and body and so we just take authority over any spirit of heaviness and god we just release hope into hearts, that you have a good future for us, God. And we just release joy because yes. the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. And heaviness is not a part of who we are, individually or as the body of Christ. And so, God, I just thank you, even in the spirit, we take authority over that spirit that would try to come on us wherever we're at. We are overcomers in the name of Jesus yes. Christ.
0: Yes, Amen. I just felt something in, like, the colon is what I felt like I heard, that you're having trouble in your colon. Um, anyone anyone having colon trouble? Just raise your hand. We're going to pray in a second. Go ahead, Christina. Um, I just suddenly got, like, sharp hip pain, specifically left hip, but all hips in general. Sharp hip pain. Sharp hip pain. Raise your hand if you need prayer. Hip, okay. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Just keep your hands up till we got some people around Colon
0: you. and hip.
1: Hand all the way up until we got two or three people. Come on, Christina, buddy. Let's activate. Will
0: you lay hands on her for hip Let's
1: pain? go activate. If you see a hand, just head towards it. Thank you, Jesus. At the back here, Mike. There we go. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Another word that came is head trauma whether it be like actually something hit your head or you you hit your head hard or also traumatic in your in your thinking head trauma All right is that you? All right Let's anybody else Okay we're going to pray over that
2: When the colon was mentioned, I heard specifically diverticulitis. Mm,
0: diverticulitis.
1: Anybody with diverticulitis, just raise your hand up.
0: And this could be online as well?
1: Yeah. Thank you, Father. If you're online, just just, reach in, uh, just text the text line back here. Okay. Thank All right. you, Jesus.
0: Let's, get, let's lay hands on Kyle here
1: a couple hands around Kyle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
0: you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the healings that are happening in this house today. Thank you for the words of knowledge that are flowing. Father, Lord, we repent for the times that we've backed off. We repent for letting our heart grow cold. Because when our heart grows cold, we can't feel the warmth and the burning of the Father's heart for the community and the lives that are around us that these gifts can touch. This community and this city that doesn't know Jesus. The broken and the weary and the needy. That that word, that release of wisdom, of understanding, of discernment can make the difference in that situation. One of the things that we believe is that a gospel without power is not good news. But our gospel has power to change and to transform and to save. And Lord, I just thank you this morning. So, Father, we just repent. Allowing our heart to grow cold so we did not, Father God, we, 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 we lose touch with the burning heart of Jesus for the lost around us. We lose touch with the eyes of the Father, that look to and fro, seeking who you may show yourself strong to, Lord. Let us be those ones, Jesus. Yes. Let us be those ones, Jesus. Yes. We just come. With repentant hearts, but also we come nodding, allowing condemnation to keep us from flowing in these gifts that you've given each and every person in this room. So we make a stand today. To eagerly hunger. For these gifts to be operating in our lives as the ministry of Jesus. Amen. It's the ministry of Jesus. What are these gifts? They're the ministry of Jesus to the community around us. Thank you, guys. Awesome. I want to take opportunity this, this morning uh, to acknowledge some friends of ours. She's, she's getting prayed, but we're going to pray over them in just a minute. Kevin and Samantha Logan have been such a precious part of this community. Haven't they? They're incredible. And they've been asked by Pastor Perry and Grace Fong to come and be on the pastoral team of Rock Church. And we want to bless them and send them accordingly. They're going to still be volunteering in our office and active in this community, but but we want to send them off with a blessing. So, if it's on your heart, let's, Kevin Smith, let's have you guys come up over here, and let's surround these two. If you haven't got your kids yet, please please head over and, and get them, and bless a children's worker.
0: Ah. Also, if the Lord touched your body this morning, we want to know about it. Yes. We want to hear those testimonies, and we want to continue testifying. So the Lord gave you a testimony this morning. You share the testimony. Amen. There's power in the testimony. So let us know what he did in you this morning. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Don't forget that Pastor Steve and Sally's book, Gifts and Fruit, is in the back if you want to purchase that. And we can't wait for more this month, what God's going to give more this month. So don't miss it. Love you all.